you're a God of faithfulness. Without injustice, you are righteous, you are upright. Lord, the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of righteousness, O Lord. You are a God, Lord, who will never compromise on your justice. And yet, you show mercy, O Lord. We just want to thank you this morning, even as we are here in your house this morning, Lord. Come to meditate upon your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Challenge us, confront us, rebuke us, chastise us, comfort us, strengthen us, empower us to obey. Anoint us this morning to speak and to believe and to hear and to obey. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Peter sang that song, Ascribe Greatness to our God, the Rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness without injustice, righteous and upright. So that is uh, the title of today's teaching. God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. We've been looking at a series on meeting the Lord the God of our, the God creator as our judge. So this morning we will look at uh, another important aspect or the plumb line of the way the Lord judges. He shows no partiality. You need to understand this because the cry all around the world is, um, um, we are being unfair, no? Injustice, unfair, fight for justice. We want justice. We want justice. There's one person who will be absolutely just, and that is God. We'll understand what that means. It means to us as believers. Okay, as as believers. Uh, bro, there's 75. Yeah, okay. I put the PDF as well as the as a PPT. Yeah. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look, uh, look uh, at a few verses. Therefore, we make it our ambition, our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Uh, Proverbs chapter 21 verse 15 says, or at the 17, 21, 17 says, he who loves pleasure will become poor. Okay. He who loves pleasure. The, I, the point here is, here is, uh, once we become as, we become believers, our entire ob- objective is not to please ourselves, but to please God. Alright. And by, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why do we, why do we make it our ambition to please Him? Because Christ Himself, it says in Romans chapter 15, if I'm right, or 14, He says, for Christ Himself did not please Himself, but the reproaches of them that reproach you fell upon Him. Okay. He did not uh, live to please Himself. So we also are a people who make it our ambition to please God. Our aim, our objective is to not to please ourselves, but to please God. That is the way of the cross. The way of the cross is to deny ourselves to pick up our cross daily and follow him, right? That is the objective and our aim, yeah? So, therefore, we make it our aim, whether we are present or we are absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all, look at that word, 
all, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body, in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We will be judged, and therefore we have to prepare ourselves, understand what the parameters of God's judgment are, what the standards of God's judgment are, and because the whole world is full of unjust scales and balances, but God is going to be a person who is going to judge us absolutely fairly. No one will have any complaint on the day of judgment, in fact, uh, we will say, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. That's what we will say. We will actually cast our crowns. If we receive our crowns, if at all we receive our crowns, we will cast, out, cast our crowns at his feet and we'll say, for you only, to you only belong glory and honor and praise and, 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 uh, and adoration. That's what we will say. Okay. That is, will be, that will be our, uh, our song when we uh, reach on the other side of eternity. Yeah. Therefore, whether good or bad, we will be judged. And therefore, it says in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Therefore, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are all well known to God and I also trust uh, are well known in your consciences. Another Isaiah chapter 26, the way of the just is uprightness. O most upright, you weigh the path of the just. God weighs our paths. He will Check out every motive of our hearts. Yes, in the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you. The desire of our soul is in your is for your name and for the remembrance of you. And it says in verse nine, uh, for when your judgments, the second part, when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness, and we will have to learn righteousness because the sceptre of his kingdom is the sceptre of righteousness, and that is how he will judge. So today, we will look at the third parameter, Romans chapter 2, understand, understand, uh, to understand the way God will judge, and what we can expect when we go on to the other side, uh, for that eternal judgment, it is not just temporal judgment, it is once and for all, settled, it is eternal judgment, that is the sixth um, uh, foundation of, uh, foundation principle of Christianity is born, eternal judgment, Fa- uh, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Okay, eternal judgment. Eternal ju- That judgment is going to be forever set, and therefore whatever spiritual state we enter into eternity, that will be our um, state for the rest of our rest of eternity. That is something which is scary, and also comforting. Scary if you are not prepared. Comforting if you are on the path towards uh, perfection. If you are on the path towards perfection. Therefore it says, leaving the elementary principles, let us move on towards perfection. Romans chapter 2, let's read from verse 7, uh, f- latter part of 6 and 7 onwards. Who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor Im- and immortality but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath tribulation, anguish on every soul who does evil, of the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory, honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And verse 11, for there is no what? Partiality with God. Romans chapter 2 verse 11. There is no partiality with God. Let us look at a few translations as to how this is rendered in different different translations to understand uh, a, a, a more uh, a broader perspective as to what God means by that. Uh, KJV of course for there is no partiality with God. NIV says there is no respect of persons with God. Okay. God does not show favoritism. He does not play favorites. Okay, look at what it says. For God shows no, this is the amplified. For God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism. With with him, one person is not more important than the 
other. Everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. We'll understand that. Romans chapter 2 verse 11, another, another translation, for there is no favor by appearance with God. That is the reason why it says, God regards no man's face. God regards no man's face. Okay. Another, uh, another translation for there is no acceptance of faces with God. There is no acceptance of faces with God. Just because you are beautiful and very nice and good looking, very talented, etc, etc. He is not going to give you a different yardstick. That is the reason why, why didn't, why did not, uh, uh, David, uh, discipline his children, especially Adonijah. It's very interesting. It's, it mentioned that, it's mentioned that Adonijah was very good to look at. His mother bore him after Absalom. But a rebel. And David never confronted his son. We'll understand. We'll come to that later on. So what is the first implication, the most important implication of the fact that God shows no favoritism? There is one very important and fundamental implication of this statement, of this principle. There is only one way of salvation to everyone. And what is that? The way of the cross. There is one way to salvation to everyone and that is the way of the cross. We'll understand this first of all. There's only one way to God. Only one way because God shows no partiality. What does it mean? All, all have only one way to enter into a favor with God. If you want to have favor with God, there's only one way. What is that? The way of the cross. John's Gospel chapter 14 verse 6. We know this verse very well. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then says, no one, including, no one means all inclusive. Every human being, if he has to come to the Father, and if he has to be reconciled with the Father, if he has to have a right standing with God, if he has to be justified in the presence of God, there is only one way to salvation, and that is the way of Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except, except through me. So this is, this is a fundamental, okay? So your good works, your, your bad works, whatever it is, is not going to cut ice with God. It's not going to cut it, right? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why will, why should, why will no one come to the Father except through me? Because Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, for what? All have sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is the reason why. Why will no one come to the Father except through Jesus Christ? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at what it says. For the message of the cross, we see that? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why? For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. You need to understand, you know, if you have heard uh, uh, last uh, Sunday's message, one of the most fired up, because uh, (laughs) after the service was over, I said, every time you preach on the cross, it's, it's fired up. It's awesome. You know, you, you see, Jesus could have done, died every way, anyway. Okay. He could have been cut off anyway. But why the cross? Okay, he died on the cross. He died on the tree. Cursed is a man who hangs on the tree. Why is it important that he had to hang on a Roman cross? You know why? The Roman cross. Why the Roman cross? What, what was the Roman cross for? Roman cross was for the rebels. And if you rebelled against Rome, the way they would impose their will upon you is by putting you to death on the cross. Cross means complete death to your will 
and submitting to the will of Rome in the, in the, in the, in the, in that context. Okay. So it will not, what do you say? It will not compromise. It will not give any concessions. Okay. No concessions. Even Jesus, when he died on the cross, he was completely dead. Six, six hours from the time he was hung on the tree. Six hours later, he was completely dead. Okay. So, in, it says in uh, uh, Hosea chapter 6, if, I, if I'm right, he says, in two, after two days, he will revive us. Okay. After two days, he will revive us. How, how, how are we revived? On the third day, he will rise from the dead. He says, we, what is that? What has happened when, when Jesus died on the cross? Our old man, that rebel inside of us, died along with him. He was crucified. He was slaughtered because that rebel wanted his own will. And the cross said, death to your will and surrender to the will of God. That's what it means. That is the reason the, the, the cross. The cross was the, the instrument of death to your will. The death to self. We, we see the sin, the fruit of sin we see. Okay, The fruit of sin we see. Trunk is sin, but the root is self. And what did, what did God come to do? He came to lay the axe to the word, to the what? To the root. The root of the problem, you see. So, the death on the cross, the cross is a symbol of absolute, total, complete death to the self. And one for, what, what has to happen? It has to impose itself upon that person. It will never ever compromise with that person. What does it do? It abolishes one pattern of living and establishes its own pattern. Finished. That is the reason why it says, offer yourself as living sacrifices to him. Why? Do not be conformed to them pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what does the cross do? It slaughters one pattern of living and establishes the pattern of God. That is the reason why the cross, the, why the cross? I mean, I was, the, the one revelation that I had on, on Sunday morning was, yes, Jesus died on the cross, but why the cross? Because cross is the instrument of death to the will, to the self. And, and all all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Short of the glory. We'll come to that later on. What is what is sin in different contexts? We'll see. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Look at what it says. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached. What is the message that is it, uh, that was being preached? The message of the cross. It is foolishness. To save those who believe. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message which is being preached. And what was being preached? It was pre- What is being preached is the message of the cross. And you know what the cross means. They understood completely. In that context, in that, in that community, they completely understood what the cross signified. Okay? You need to understand the implications of this. So if you see, when you, when you listen to a message on Sunday morning like that, and if you really, really don't apply it into our lives, you know what? Once we have light on certain things, once we have light on certain things and we do not obey, we will surely backslide. Okay. Okay. If you have light, for example, if you have light, light on fasting and you don't fast, guarantee backslide. Okay. If you have light on something and you do not obey, you will surely backslide. And you will wonder what has happened to you. Simply because you have not believed and you have not taken to heart and you have not obeyed and followed God. For since the wisdom of God. And look at what it says. For the Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preached what? Christ crucified. To the Jews it is a stumbling block 
and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, called where? Both Jews and the Greeks, includes everybody. It includes everybody, Jews and Greeks, all classes of people. Okay, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value, but faith expressing itself through love, neither circumcision or uncircumcision will cut any ice. (laughs) What does it mean? What only matters before God is the new creation. It is the new creation. New creation. So when Jesus died on the cross, cross along with him, our old life also was crucified. And just as Christ Jesus rose from the dead by the glory of the Father, what should also we do now? We should also walk in the newness of life. You see? That, that is the implication of the cross. That is the implication of uh, Sunday's message, no? Though there is no partiality with God, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And how did we sin? Let us look at Isaiah 53, something very interesting I need to mention here. All, you see that? All, again, all we like sheep have gone astray. Hmm? We have turned, again, everyone, (laughs) everyone, oh my goodness, (laughs) you see, even in children it is like that. Everyone wants their own way. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) okay, just because they are children it doesn't mean that, uh, in fact, they fight uh, for their way to happen in their lives, no? All we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us, not of you, of all, of all, of all. Hmm? Why? Romans chapter 3 verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, okay, so that what? Every mouth, <laughs> every mouth may be stopped and all the world. That is the reason why God so loved the Jews, no? God so loved the uh-huh, world that he gave his only son. You see, this this message, if you really, really understand the, the, in the implications of that, it will free you. Because you will understand that in the sight of God, nobody is... <laughs> Favorite. Okay. God accepts anyone. But the moment God has accepted you, how you respond to his acceptance is what God is looking at. Okay. All that every mouth may be stopped. All the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in the sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Okay. We don't have to go there. But what is the point? Every mouth may be stopped. Every mouth may be stopped. All the world may be Guilty before God. Romans chapter 3. As it is written, it's going to tell us there is none righteous. Okay. You see, if you if you understand mathematics, or set theory, if you understand, no, A, A prime. Okay. A means belongs to A. A prime means does not belong to A. <laughs> and A intersection A prime is null set. <laughs> that means that this is, you are my people, not my people. And there is no, uh, what, what do you say, overlap between the two. There is no common set. <laughs> the logic, the language of Romans is fantastic. It's completely logical. There is none righteous means nobody is righteous. There is oh few righteous people. No, 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 none. There is none who understands. 
there is none who seeks after God. And again, look at the all inclusive statements, none, none, none. And then they have all turned aside. They have together <laughs> become unprofitable. There is None that does good. There is no, not one. You see the emphasis. It is like, you know, uh, sending you statement after statement after statement to make a point saying that everyone is guilty before God. The standards of God are too high. Nobody can attain those standards. You see, I mean, if we, are, we have the earthly perspective and uh, earthly perspective will say, Burj, Burj Khalifa. Wow. What, what is that? 1300 meters, huh? And then another tall building. So tallest buildings we will, we will, uh, we will, we will measure all the tallest buildings. CN Tower, Sears Towers, uh, some tower in Malaysia. All the towers we'll see. Oh, big, big towers. Now you go onto the airplane. How do they look like? Dots. What is that? Dots. Remember? <laughs> it's very interesting. The, 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 the irony, or rather the funny thing about in Genesis chapter 11, no? They want to make this tower which goes to heaven. Right? Let us make a tower and let us make a, build ourselves this tower and let us make a great name for ourselves and God and which reaches up to heaven. Now God is saying, okay, these fellows are wanting to make something to reach, reach up to heaven. Let me go down and see. <laughs> let, let me go down and see what these fellows have done. Are you try your level best to come to heaven? You can never come. That is the reason why his ways are past finding out. Isaiah chapter 55, we've been looking at that verse. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. As the, what? Heavens. You see? We have all together become absolutely unclean, unprofitable to God. There is no one who does good. No, not one. There is no one who is righteous in the sight of God. Because the standards of God are so high, you can, you can compare yourselves and say who is more tolerable, more uh, tolerable, yeah, more tolerable or more righteous, etc. But in the sight of God, nobody is tolerable. That is the reason why we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteous deeds is what? Is like filthy rags, right? And then again, goes on to say, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of the asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. I'm telling you, I had this personal experience recently when you know, I'm taking my daughters for a brisk walk and making them run here and there in my colony, number colony. Uh, that road is free because they're digging it up. On the other side, their entire road is free. So the other day, just uh, Abigail, myself and Emanuela, we were walking and running and doing a small jog there. And a bunch of... Uh, Youngsters, how young, they are not even teenagers, okay, one guy was a teenager and all the rest were about 10 years, 11 years, not still teenagers, they were playing a game with each other, what is that, uh, Antakshari, not Antakshari in the sense of singing a song, they have to name the name of the place and the last word, or the last letter of the place, they should continue with that name, you understand what I am saying, right, so they were playing with each other and after, after a while, the competition became very, very intense and after the competition became very intense, they started fighting with each other. And what was coming out of their mouth? Are Baba! You should see the kind of language that they were using. This is 10, 11 and 12 year old children. I mean, I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy has no respect for me. I mean, I mean the elder person who was walking along, uh, alongside them, 
Okay, and even even as they were playing, I was also got a little excited with the game. And they were saying, "I, I, I, Italy." They finished Italy. Everything they said, I said, "Itanagar," and they started started walking. Itanagar, right? And they said, "Thank you, uncle." And right in front of me, they're using the most choicest of language that is coming out of, out of their mouth. Eleven year old, ten year old, nine year old children. What is coming out of their mouth? Sanskrit. Now, when I was growing up. You know, when you use bad language, they'll teach, they'll, um, you know what the parents will say? Who taught you this? You got into bad company. Huh? Your friends taught you that language. That's what they'll say, right? That's what they say, right? Now think about it, no? Now when I was a child, okay, they all taught me that language. Now I grew up. I'm looking at another generation. Who taught them that language? You see, God says we have to teach the gospel to every generation. What we have actually done, we have propagated nicely Sanskrit to the next generation. Oh my goodness, you should see the mouthful of cursing and bitterness. And Thankfully, my children don't understand Telugu. Okay, so they didn't know what was going on. But I was like, my goodness, these guys, how what kind of language they were using. It's dirty in mother tongues, right? How dirty that language is in the mother tongue. When you hear it, you feel defiled just because you heard that language. You just feel sick when you hear that. It's like that. What? What are these? 10 year old, 11 year old, 12 year children. What is happening? They're using the choicest of words coming out of their mouths. Those fellows cannot speak one Vemana Pajyam. Ask them to speak some Pajyams and some literature from Telugu. That the tongues will not twist, but in in as far as language is concerned, aha, no tongue twisters needed. Actually, they can invent new new words. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their sweet feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. All have sinned. So everybody, whether Jew or whether Greek, there is only one way. What is that? The way of the cross. So that's that's exactly what happens on the day of Pentecost. This Jesus whom you have crucified, who is he preaching to? Peter is preaching preaching to the who? He's preaching to the Jews. Okay, so they all repent. So they said, this is natural. The Jews have to repent. And what about the Gentiles? Look at what it says in Acts chapter 10. This is, you know, this uh, this context very well. So Cornelius, four days ago, I was fasting. said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose name is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present. We are all present before you, before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. And how does Peter respond? I like that. 34. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Another translation. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. You see, amazing. How your Jews are supposed to be saved, same way the Gentile also has to be saved. Does Peter learn his lesson? <laughs> no. <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't learn. He only accept it, accepts it with great difficulty. No? Somebody else has to come confront them later on. We'll come to that later on. Okay. 
But in every nation, look at that. In every nation, whoever fears in and works righteousness is what? Accepted by him. Why? When works righteousness means he's not talking about works righteousness and trusting in his own righteous works. That is not what he's talking about. Works righteousness. What is the first work of righteousness that we do? We have to acknowledge that fact of the fact that we are not righteous. That is what we have to do. What should we do? Now we have to acknowledge the fact that we are not righteous. Hmm? But in every nation who are fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. That is the reason why it says in Luke chapter 27, don't have to turn there, verse 28 onwards, it says when the, when the, when Jesus, when the tax collectors and the Pharisees heard Jesus about the testimony of John, they justified God. You know what it says? They justified God having been baptized by the baptism of John, but the Jews or the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they rejected the counsel of God against themselves, not having been just baptized by the baptism of John. What does it mean? It means, you know what they said? God God, you are righteous. The very fact that I am getting baptized is a righteous act. Why am I, uh, why is it a righteous act? I am acknowledging that I am unrighteous and you are righteous. That is what it means. Hmm? Is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ is this. And you know what happens. The Holy Spirit comes, they start speaking in tongues and you know what Peter says? Can anybody forbid them from being getting, from getting, getting? Baptized and he baptizes them. And what has happened? What has happened? The moment they have been baptized, they become the part of the church, just like the Jews. There's no difference. There's no difference. Do you understand? Okay. There's one, only one way of getting accepted by God. It is the way of faith. Genesis chapter 4. You know this verse very well, right? Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought the first fruit. And it says, the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he's got a respecter of persons? No, 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 no. He's immediately. And God did not respect Cain and his offering. Why did he not respect Cain and his offering? God is not a respecter of persons. Look at what it says. Next verse. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, will thou not be? In other words, this is a rhetorical question. So how do we convert a rhetorical question into a statement? If I do well, I will be accepted. Okay. I will be accepted. If I do, and what is that? What is doing well in the sight of God? It is the way of faith and not by works. Okay. Understand that? Okay. Jeremiah chapter 9. I like this verse very well. Verse 25. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all who are circumcised only in the flesh. Not circumcised, okay? Egypt, only in the flesh, Egypt, Judah, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and all who live in the wilderness in distant places, for all these nations are really uncircumcised, and even the whole house of Israel is what? Uncircumcised in their heart. That is the reason why the Bible says, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but he is one who is Jew inwardly. Circumcision is a matter of the heart. 
of the spirit, not of the letter. Whose praise is from God, not from man. So there is only one way to everybody. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain the person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? No. Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of course he is the God of Gentiles also. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that faith, through that same faith, do we then therefore nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So the first thing we need to understand, there is no way of acceptance before God other than the way of the cross. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way we will have a right standing with God is when we genuinely repent and believe. That is the reason why the implication number one, implication number one of this entire uh, episode of, uh, of this entire thesis is this. What is that? The vilest offender who truly... Hmm, a vilest offender. The vilest offender who truly believes, repents and believes, of course. I'm just making a correction over there. That moment from Jesus, what does he receive? A pardon. Okay. The vilest offender who truly believes, that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Okay, let us look at an example. Okay, look at an example. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. Then one of the criminals, okay, Two criminals, okay? Two criminals, one on this side, on the other side. Were hanged. One of the criminals, actually the, the Greek word is male factor. Male factor means uh, the person who is an evildoer, okay? And you will, ju- you will be judged according to your works, okay? <laughs> then one of the criminals, it says, who were, who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourselves and save us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God? Seeing that you are under the same condemnation. Whose condemnation? The condemnation of you and this man is the same. Right? In other words, in other words, the condemnation that was due me fell upon Christ. That's what it means. Then move on. Sorry. Okay. And look at this. And we indeed justly. We suffer. We are being punished justly. For we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. You know what he's talking about over there? There's something very important over here you need to understand. If I get punished for something I am not have not done, let's say in my office. Okay? And I'm and I'm I'm let off the hook because mm, the boss favors me. What do you call the boss? He's being he's being other time I mean unjust is of course biblical language. Unfair partial, right? Unfair. You know what this man is actually saying? God is being unfair. That's what he's saying. He has done nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve this. Let me tell you something. There's a word we we talked about last Sunday. We heard the word. The word is inequity. 
as a chapter 53. I'll, I'll, I'll come to that, what it means, the implications of this, okay? Let's read from verse 1 onwards. <clears throat> Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him not. I'll, I'll just to, to don't come to any conclusions, just listen carefully. Smitten, God, smitten by God and afflicted. Why did God afflict him? Look at what it says. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace. That means God was punishing him for our transgressions, our iniquities and our peace. And the word that I want you to look at, very important word is the word iniquity. See, Adam, uh, Eve fell into transgression. How did she fall into transgression? Because she was deceived. Eve was deceived and fell into transgression. But what about Adam? Adam was not deceived. Adam was disobedient and fell into rebellion. Come to that. He was bruised for our Iniquity. Now the word for iniquity is very interesting. Now in the, in, of course, in the, in the Greek word, in the Hebrew word is evon, which means the punishment of iniquity as well. It includes everything. Iniquity in the English language comes from two words, en, in, and equity. The opposite of equity is what? Iniquity. Now the point here is this. Why, where did this inequity originate? Where this, where did this unfair attitude or rather I am being uh, treated unfairly originate? Is a question. Okay. We need to understand where, what is the origin of inequity? Who was the first one who's, first person who said it is unfair? Anybody knows? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We'll come to that. Okay. Look, very, very, very careful. Okay. Let us look at a person. First, Antichrist. A type of the Antichrist and the spirit which is empowering the Antichrist, which is the spirit of Satan himself. Look at, look at this is Ezekiel chapter 28. Hmm? Ezekiel chapter 28. We know this verse very, very, very well. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to me saying, again saying, son of man, say to the prince of Tyre. This is a prince of Tyre and this is a king of Tyre. Prince of Tyre is the king or the physical king. Okay. And the king of Tyre is a spirit which is empowering the prince of Tyre. Hmm? Thus says the Lord, because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am good. I sit in the seat of gods in the midst of the seas. Yet you are a man and not a God. Though you set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, you are. Oh, no. Let me tell you something. When we look at Daniel, we don't talk about wisdom. That's the reason why just because Daniel was a wise man, we never talk about the wisdom of Daniel. We talk about the character of Daniel. Because there can be a lot of people who are wiser than Daniel. Don't get fooled because of their wisdom. Don't get fooled because of their wisdom. The wisdom of a person is good as far as that wisdom is under the control of the character of that person. It's important. Behold, you are wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that can be hidden from you. Okay, that is the king, the prince of Tyre. Look at what it says. The person who is empowering the spirit. Mm -hmm. This is verse 11 onwards. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say, say to him, this is not the prince of Tyre, this is the king of Tyre. Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection. Who is this? Satan himself. Full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were where? In Eden, the garden of God, 
every precious stone was your covering and uh, oh, sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, jacinth is not there, okay, with gold. <laughs> the workmanship, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. So the implication is that, that uh, Satan was a worship leader because he was having the trumpet to worship God. And look at what it says in the next verse powerful was you were the anointed cherub who covers i established you you were in the holy mountain of god you walked in the midst in the back and forth in the midst of fiery stones you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till ah till iniquity was found in you let me tell you what is happening over here iniquity means what his feelings not equitable feelings were found in him. Why? What was the not equitable feelings? He was the anointed cherub that was covering. What did he look at Jesus? I mean, he was looking at Jesus. He was look, looking at the God most high. He says, I will, I will, I will exalt my throne above heavens. I will do this. I will do this. I will be like the... Ah! You know what he's saying? God, this is unfair. You are actually unjust. You are getting all this adoration. I am not any less than you. I can also be like God. And what did he, that's the same spirit which he put in Adam, Eve and Adam. You can also be like God's because God knows in the day that you eat of the knowledge of the fruit, uh, fruit of the tree of good and evil, what will happen to you? You will also become like, and God does not want you to be like God's. The problem is not that. You don't, you don't, you don't realize the fact that God created you in your likeness and in his image. In your likeness and in his image. The image is the outward form and the likeness is the character of God. When God created Adam and Eve, he created him in his image and in his likeness. We had the form of God and the character of God. The likeness. But we ate the lie of the serpent. That what? God is what? Unfair. He is partial. Iniquity. He was wounded for transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Where did it come from? It came from the serpent. That iniquity. Adam sinned, but iniquity was found in the serpent or the devil. And when we swallowed his lie, we also took part of his nature. Now what has happened? We have also become iniquitous. Iniquitous. What did we do? We joined Satan in his rebellion. What did we do? We joined Satan in his rebellion. That's what we did. We joined Satan in his rebellion. Therefore, Eve, she was deceived and she fell into transgression. But Adam did not deceive. He disobeyed and he fell into rebellion. What did he do? He accepted the lie of the devil. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 4. Verse 5 onwards. Very interesting. Then the devil, taking him on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been... You know, the word, the, the word for delivered is so unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. Actually, the original Greek translation, it was betrayed to me. Who betrayed it? Who betrayed it? Adam betrayed 
the dominion, the authority that God gave him. The moment you swallowed the lie, you became iniquity. You said, you're saying, God, you are being unfair. The moment you swallowed that lie, you swallowed that lie. What has happened? You betrayed the dominion and the authority and the, and the position that God gave you into the hands of the devil. You betrayed it. The word is betrayed. The same word which is used for Judas, Iscariot. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces. The same word which was used for betrayed for for Judas Iscariot is used for delivered. Very unfortunate translation. No, It was betrayed to me. Somehow, sometimes we we, we are people who don't like criticism, right? We'll come to that later on. Hmm? We'll come to that later on. Okay. See, iniquity. Where did iniquity come? Iniquity came in the serpent. When we swallowed the lie of the serpent, we all became iniquitous. We just not, we did not just become sinners. We became people of iniquity. We were birthed in sin, shaped in iniquity. Iniquity. Birthed in sin, shaped in iniquity. So right from childhood, what is the one cry we will always cry is, you are being what? Unfair. You are being partial. The only person who was actually partial was God. And he was not partial with himself. With us, with us he was partial with his son. And we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> okay, he was being partial there. Okay. It's interesting, no? It says, he tasted death for, for us all. What did he taste? taste it? He tasted death. Death. It's just really incredible. You know, you need to understand. One man of God gave this beautiful example. He says, you know what tasting of death means? Have you seen our, in olden times when our grandmothers and our mothers, when they used to cook food, they used to taste that, uh, that, that charu or that sambar. You know what they used to do? When it's still uncooked, it's still being cooked. What do you, what they used to do? They put it in their hands and then put it in their mouth and do what? And do this and then they used to swallow. At least my grandmother, she used to spit it out. Still uncooked. Okay. She used to taste the meat to see the, to see whether the marination is perfect and stuff. And she used to put it in her mouth, do this, and then spit it out. That's exactly what Jesus did. What did he do? He tasted that. And after that, spat it out. <laughs> he spat it out. That is the reason why it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, if I'm right, 42 or 24, it says, it was impossible for death to hold him because God, there was absolutely no sin in him. He tasted death for all of us and spat death out. Okay, that's remarkable. Okay, that's a different message altogether. But just, just for an aside, for an aside, okay. When Pastor was preaching on Sunday, I was getting so excited because, because there was like so many things were just falling into me. It was just coming into my mind like that, no? Remember, he was, it was, he, it was Adam who betrayed the dominion that God gave him. And what had happened? He marred the likeness of the creator in himself. He marred the right, the likeness of the creator in himself. And therefore, what is important now is not the old Adam, not, not reforming the old Adam, putting to that the old Adam, and we should have the last Adam and the new man. The last Adam and the new man. So where did iniquity start? It started in him. And blessed is a man, blessed is a man who realizes that he's just not sinful. He's what? Iniquitous. 
look at look at look at what it says in Isaiah chapter six and verse five. This is the confession of Isaiah. Woe is me, for I am undone. No, this is the man who was speaking woes left, right, and center to everybody except himself. Hmm? Woe are you? 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 <laughs> One man of God said, "Superb." You know what he says? He says. When does genuine, when, when do genuine men of God are, when are genuine, genuine prophets made or when are genuine servants of God created? First, or made, first they should have a confrontation with the holiness of God. What should they have? They should have a confrontation of the holiness of God. Second thing, they should have the conviction by the Spirit of God. And third thing, they should have a confession in keeping with the standards of God. And they should have a cleansing by the spirit and the blood of God and the word of God. And they should be challenged. Whom shall go for us? They should be challenged by the work of God. Sixth, here I am. They should be consecrated for the work of God. Seventh thing, I am sending you. They should be commissioned by God into the mission field. Seven things have to happen. Seven C's. What is that? Confronted? Convicted? What is that? Confess? Challenged? Consecrated, commissioned into the ministry. Seven things actually, seven C's. Okay. These things don't happen. So look at what it says, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. So I said, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And uh, you know what the ceremony is saying, oh Isaiah, don't say like that. No, you're a good man. No, 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 no. Look at what it says in the next verse. I like that. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. What has been taken away first? Your iniquity has been taken away, and your sin has been purged, or other other translations will use, has been atoned for. In other words, now you have become at one with God. You have become what? At one with God. Okay, so what is the, what does the thief on the cross say? We suffer justly, but what is happening to him is sheer injustice. What has happened? God, it has become possible for God to justly forgive us by punishing his son. 1 John chapter 1, look at what it says. 1 John chapter 1, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth, but If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is what? Not in us, but look at the next verse. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just. And just or equitable. And just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How is it just? He justly punished Jesus for our sins. And he let us go. So the implication number one is. A vilest sinner. Who truly repents. And believes. That moment from Jesus. What does he receive? A pardon. It has become possible for God. To justly forgive our sins. That is the reason why when we sang that song. Ascribe greatness to God a rock. His ways is perfect and all his words are, words are justice, a God of peace without injustice, righteous and upright is he.
That is true worship when we understand what the attributes of God are. So first implication. Implication number one, the moment we understand this truth and say, Lord, Lord, you took my place. You took my place on the cross and we believe and completely trust. Doesn't matter who you are, when we put our complete trust on the, on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, what has, what has happened? It has possible, it has been possible for God to forgive us all, not just a few, all our trespasses, all our sins and give us a right standing with God. That is what it means to be justified. Amen? Let's move on. What is the implication number two? We are people who begin to practice equity. Okay, because God is right, impartial, meaning there is no iniquity with God. That's what it means. There is no iniquity with God. So what do we practice now? We practice what we call as equity. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 1, one of my favorite Proverbs. Okay, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of what? Wisdom, and then justice, judgment, and the fourth one, equity. Equity. What is equitable, impartial living? You need to know. Okay, now what has happened? God has forgiven us all our iniquities. He has taken away our iniquities and he has purged our sin as he turned for our sin. So what, how should we practice equity? How do we live out this equitable life before God is what it means. Because God is going to judge us without what? Partiality, right? Let us see. <clears throat> Rames, Roman, uh, James chapter 3 verse 17. Wisdom. First we need what? Wisdom. Wisdom from God. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to eat, full of mercy and good fruits, without everybody see that? Partiality. Okay? So how do we live? Let us let, let us look at that in First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges Everyone or his, because here in this, in this context, we are calling him as father. That means what is implication that we are his sons or daughters. Okay. We are his sons. That means the acceptable part has been taken care of. We have been accepted in the beloved. Now, if God has accepted us, now he is also going to teach us what is what we call as equitable living. So in order to teach us equitable living, first thing he will do is he will what? Judges and then he will reward us. What will he do? He will judge us and he will reward us. We need to understand this. He, he will judge us and he will reward us. If, if, if God is a God who is absolutely impartial and if he has to teach us what, what it means to be impartial and teach us impartial living, two things he needs to, he needs, he needs us to learn. He needs us to learn the fact that he is a person who will judge us and he's a fact, the fact that he is a person who will also reward us. Okay? Reward us. Reward, reward, reward. Okay? Understand. So don't look at the judge part, but look at the reward part. Okay? Reward, reward, reward. Reward is important because that's exactly what I do to Abigail also. Abigail, you're gonna stay with me the whole day. The reward for you is? What? Tabbe. <laughs> <laughs> subway and the dark chocolate she wants and she can sit me sit with me the whole day <laughs> give give her one subway and give her one dark chocolate uh, fantasy what is that dark fantasy chocolate oh, whatever that is and for the rest of the day she's she's yours so i reward her and also judge her nicely from morning till evening okay so two things that is the reason why he says of you you only of all the families of the earth you only have i lo- known so what will i do i am going to what 
visit you. Thank you. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. Thank you so much. You you learned it. I am going to visit you for your inequities. It says in Amos chapter three. I am going to visit you for your inequities. Three seven. Amos. I didn't put it there. Three one. Huh? Well, let's see. Yeah, just we can put it on the screen if for the people online. I, because of all the families of the earth, you are my children. So I am going to teach you what is equitable, impartial living. Impartial is has got so many connotations. We need to understand what is equitable living. So two things we need to understand. First thing we need to understand that God is a judge. He's going to judge his children. That is the reason why it says judgment begins where? In the house of God. And it says, if the righteous are scarcely saved. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? The righteous are scarcely saved. Okay. What has happened to Lord? He is a righteous man. How was he saved? Scarcely saved. <laughs> okay. The righteous are scarcely saved. What is going to happen to the ungodly and the unrepentant, those who reject the gospel of peace? Okay. So first thing, you need to understand that he is a God who judges us. Okay, because we have everybody in our heart as children. What is the first thing we'll say? You are being unfair. God says, no, I'm being actually fair. I was unfair to my son so that I can be fair with you. I punished him so that I can let you go. Okay, God didn't have to do that, by the way, but he did it. That is love. Mercy and truth have kissed each other. Righteousness and peace have met each other. And therefore it says, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for in our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us, what? Peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we were healed. So what has happened? When we fell into transgression, the iniquity came into us. And because of that, we lost our peace with God and with man. And therefore, what has happened? There was a degradation not only in our soul, but in our body as well. We became absolutely, what? Sick in our bodies. Hmm? Right? My goodness, this body. You incrementally grow fat. Hmm? Dangerous body. Conduct yourself toward the... So how do we know? So if God is a judge, what should we do? Hebrews chapter 12. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. So one of the things that you need to understand, in order to God for uh, to, choose, uh, to show you equitable living, he will chasten you. Because he has to teach you his statutes. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. See, he is not like our earthly children. I told you, you know, yesterday I was go, um, the day before yesterday I was go, going for a walk on the on the in my colony, and uh, the fight started within these fellows. The, all these fellows fighting each other using the choicest of language, and who intervened? One, one fellow got upset, and he gave him one shot. Okay, is all happening in, before my eyes? Now, who comes to the scene? Mother India's will come. Okay. And what do Mother India's do? <laughs> my son's in the bath. My son's in the bath. Two mothers India, mothers of India. Now what, what, see, what did other fellow do to you is immaterial. What did you say? That fellow will not say, this is the language I used. Will he say that? Even if he provoked you and use, use this kind of a language, from where did you get this language? It was good that fellow provoked you so that I know that you, you know this kind of language. Right? But but what do mothers in India do? Two mothers came, one from this side and one from the other side. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, this is happening here in India. It's like this, especially in India. What do we do? Um, my son. See, your, your son is an absolute scoundrel. But how do you cover? Oh, no, 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 no. He's like this. You see, one of the things we have, we are so good at judging other people's children. But when it comes to judging our own children, they are cherubim only for us. I'm not saying that we should be like our other, uh, I mean, the other side of Indian parents who will spang them in the, on the road and stuff. I'm not talking about that at all. So there, there are other kinds of parents also. They will spang them on the roads and do all kinds of things on the road. Just because they have been brought to shame by the behavior of their children. You see? We're very, very careful. Oh, when, when other people's children, we will spank them. You are like this. When it comes to our children, oh, no, 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 no. You see, you need to look at criticism. It's very important. See, people don't like criticism. Now, YouTube is no longer YouTube. It is DayTube. What did I say? No, there is DayTube. There is no, no YouTube. Why? You know, what the, you know, the recent thing that I have done in YouTube, YouTube, what have they done in YouTube? What is the latest algorithm in YouTube? Likes and dislikes. The dislike count has been removed. Ah, yes, thank you. The dislike count has been removed because nobody wants anybody to criticize the White House. Dislike count has been removed. Why? No, the the reason they're going, oh, we wanted the dislike count to be removed because we want to protect those people who are still growing in their in their channels. And those people who are actually growing in their channels are saying, please, Baba, like that, put the like content, the dislike content, it is actually not working positive. It is going, on the contrary, it is working negative for our channels. It is doing the negative job for our channels. Why did they remove the dislike count? Because every time a White House, the White House people post some kind of a message or this thing on YouTube, the number of likes are few hundreds and the number of dislikes are in millions and they don't want that to be shown to the public. You see, one of the things that you need to understand, if you become a child of God, you become a ruthless judge of your own character in the sight of God. You become very objective, no emotions attached. Okay. I liked the other day, one uh, uh, interview about the sports person who got this award. He's won the tournament and uh, and uh, the interviewer was asking him, how come you're so humble? Uh, you're such a humble... You know what he said? No, I'm not a very humble person. I'm actually very objective. I look at the facts and state the facts as they are. If this is what is true about me, I accept it. If it is not true about me, I don't accept it. The problem is we become so, so traumatized when people criticize us. We cannot take criticism at all in our generation. What has happened to us? That means we are showing by the very fact, the way we handle criticism, that we are not accepted by God. We are still, still trying our level best to find acceptance in man and not in God. So they are saying it is YouTube. It is not YouTube anymore. So whatever content you know, you, you cannot find the number of dislikes and likes in your channel, in your channel anymore. Now later, slowly, what will they remove? They will also remove of the con- comment comments option. Also, they will remove. Because they do not want to hear any criticism about them. Because they want to project this false narrative that they are growing. This is all propaganda. This is how the communists worked. This is how the fascists work. But people who are objective will always invite criticism and constructive criticism, criticism at that. They will be objective in the way they have been judged and say, what is wrong with me, Lord? What is happening with me? They will be content in the position that God has given them. And they will say, Lord, this is what is true about me. This is what has been spoken about me. How much of it is true? 
Let me judge myself. Because you are impartial. What are you? Because you are impartial. If God is a father, what does he do? He judges you impartially. Just because you are his son, he is not going to reduce the standards. In fact, he's going to raise the bar more for you. That's exactly what he did with Moses. And what did Moses have to say? At the end of his life, no, 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 no. This is not fair, God. Look at, look at me, God. I have left everything to follow you. I have, I have interceded for my people. I have lost my career. I lost my life. Forty years of my life I've given to these fellows who are ungrateful. And this is not fair, God. No, no. He did not say that. You know what he said? All your ways are what? Justice, equity, absolutely fair. What you say about me is absolutely true. Do we have the courage and the conviction? To accept correction and criticism? That is we know. That is when we know we have accepted the God as our father who judges us what? Impartially. Understand that? For whom the Lord loves, he chases and scourges everyone whom he receives as a son. If you have not, if you are not being received, if you are not being uh, chastened, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Not like our uh, mother India. But if you are without chastening, chastening of which all have become partakers, then you are what sons? Illegitimate sons. Illegitimate and not sons. Not illegitimate sons. You are illegitimate and not sons. <laughs> you are illegitimate and not sons. My goodness. You need to understand this. It's very important. Lord, grant me the grace so that I'll be objective. When something has been mentioned to, about me, I will take correction. I will take, because if I do well, I will be. Ah, if I do well, I will be accepted. And I don't have to do anything in my own strength. The, the very power of God and the spirit of God is given to all of us, those who ask. And he says, he is willing to give the Holy Spirit how much? How much? Without measure. I don't have to do anything. This Christian life, I cannot please God in my own strength. It is impossible for me to do do it in my own strength. That is the reason why the cross is a great leveler. As much as you surrender yourself to God and ask for the Holy Spirit of God, God is willing to give everyone, distributes it impartially, but the problem is we do not ask. We don't ask. Because we still try to earn. We don't understand that God is impartial. God is not a respecter of persons. If you are without chastening, okay, then go, go on. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall not, shall we not much more readily be subject in subjection to the father of the spirits and live? That is the reason why it says foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And what happens? The rod of correction will drive it out far away. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. Iniquity is bound up in the heart of the child and the rod of correction will drive it far away. Or the rod of correction. We'll drive it far away. We are all people who have incredible patience with ourselves, but no patience with others. That is what my daughters also gave me on my birthday. The greeting card that they made was a very, very interesting greeting card. A man of God. That's the verse from Second Peter. No, what is that? Must be patient, apt to teach. Okay, Papa, you are very apt to teach, but you are not very. Uh, that is what my daughters have said, no? <laughs> On my birthday. Thank you very much, I said. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm? I have to teach. Uh, second Timothy, what, what, whichever. No, I forgot that name. Oh, no, the, the verse. It's there in my, uh, in my, in my Bible. Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. 
God does it to us. Look at what David has to say, Psalm 119. Before I was afflicted, what has happened to me? What is it, going astray? What does it mean in the context of what we are doing in Isaiah chapter 53? We have what? All gone astray. That means deep down inside of us, inside of our hearts, there is an implication to go astray. All have gone astray. And there is there. And if you don't constantly learn to the instructions, the book of Proverbs says, if you do not constantly hear instruction, you will go astray. It doesn't matter if you are in the ministry or not in the ministry. If you are not constantly given, your, given yourself to the teaching of the word of God and not been constantly guided by the spirit of God, you will go astray because foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And what does it say? The rod of correction. That is the reason why all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that a man of God may be what? Thoroughly equipped and ready for every good work and complete. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Psalm 119. It is good. Thank you, Jesus. Can you, can anybody say Amen? Very difficult, I know. I know, very difficult. I don't want you to say Amen if you don't mean it. Because if you say Tadastu, <laughs> next, next thing that will come to you is the affliction. And you may not be prepared for that. Okay. It is good. Actually, the word it is good is not, is in, how, how is it in? Italics means it's not there in the other, it's not there in the original translations. Let us read it without the italics. Good, good for me. Good for me. I was afflicted. He said, no, good for you. Good for me that I've been afflicted. Can you say that? Not easy. That I may learn your statutes. Why? Because your ways are what? Ways of equity. Ways of fairness. And what is there inside of, my, inside of my heart? Inequity is there. Foolishness is bound up. Folly, it says. Folly is there in the heart of a, heart of a child. And the rod of correction drives it away. Therefore, we have to become spiritual and not carnal. Not even sensual and not even what? Logical. Intellectual. No, 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 no. We have to be spiritual people. And what does a spiritual man do? Ah, he judges all things. He judges all things. He's objective. Objective, objective, objective. Not emotional, not sentimental, but objective. It's ruthless. Okay. That is exactly what, that is in math. In math, you cannot, it is very objective. Like Pastor was saying, two plus two is uh, four, period. It is approximately, it is, it is tending towards, is it, it is not real number, but that is the reason why they are natural numbers and whole numbers. Real numbers don't exist. Imagine, there are imaginary numbers also, you know? Imaginary numbers, complex numbers, real numbers, com- what is unreal numbers. Oh, there are so many kinds of numbers. That is only in the imagination because you can never, ever, ever, ever figure the exact value of a real number. Pi is what? Hmm, these are. <laughs> I'm not going to take a math class for you guys. Okay, please. No, 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 no. <laughs> you see, there's exact science. That is the reason why none, a prime, nobody is righteous. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let us become objective. Let us become objective because God is a God who judges and God is a God who also rewards if you respond positively to his judgment. If you respond positively to criticism, if you respond positively to correction and you mend your ways and and produce a peaceable fruit of righteousness, you know what? Is You will be rewarded. The problem is we are all looking for rewards on this side of eternity. 
The rewards are not here. We want positions here. We want we want praise here. We want approval here. No, 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 no. This is not real. That is real. That is permanent. It is eternal judgment. Even here, even the chairs that we occupy are temporary chairs. Once we die, it's gone. The place thereof remembers it. The place thereof remembers it. No, but who's Vijay? I don't know. One day he was there in this uh, Grace Tabernacle pulpit. That's what. After he's gone, he's gone. Okay. The place thereof remembers it no more. Understand this. We are looking for eternal crowns. Because that which is seen is temporal. That which is unseen is eternal. That which is unseen is eternal. So understand this. Judge ourselves. Second, First Corinthians chapter 11. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Every time you listen to a message, ought to examine, ought to examine, ought to examine. Let it come back to you over and over and over again. I have to examine myself, Lord. I have to examine myself. When somebody is criticizing me and correcting me, let me be objective. If somebody is calling me lazy, let me accept the fact that I am lazy. Because in accepting and repenting in quietness, what will I have? Rest. In quietness and repentance, what will you enjoy? Rest. If you say, if you become contentious and you start fighting and justifying yourself, sorry. It's over. It's over for you. It's curtains. <laughs> because see, the God is giving us a throne, no? He says, to the Laudation Church, He says, as many as I love, what do I do? Hare, Revelation chapter 3, Baba. As many as I love, I rebuke. Therefore, be zealous and repent. He who overcomes, what will I give you? I will give you the right to sit on my throne just as I overcame and sat on my father's throne. You imagine, even to the Laudation church, he says, you know what? I'll give you the throne. What is there for us? What is there for us? Throne. And who should, who can sit on the throne? A man who has overcome sin and who has overcome death. He's sitting on the throne. In order to sit on the throne, what should we do? Therefore, we should also overcome sin and call and overcome everything which causes spiritual death inside of us so that we can occupy the throne. Because God is, God is, God is, God is guarding the throne. He will not allow any natural fellow to come and sit on the throne. Only the overcomers. Only the overcomers will be sitting on the throne. And if you try to occupy the throne, he will he will kick you out. Like the way, say, Saul cannot occupy David's throne. Man of the flesh cannot occupy the throne of David. Because why? Because he is a rebel. He cannot, he will not take correction. He will not take action when God, God shows him some kind of a, a, a criticism. No, he cannot. And what does he do? He becomes very, very self-pity. Everybody hates me. Everybody is uh, disliking me. You are also disliking me. My husband, my my daughter is doing this. My son is doing this. All you priests are also doing this. Everybody is against me. What is happening over there? Self-pity, 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 self-pity. Out with this fellow, God says. Okay. The throne of David has to be occupied by a man after God's own heart. And if it's not God's own heart, you will ask him, wicked that place. Amen. Very difficult to say that. I know. For everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink what? Judgment upon themselves. Chukka 
ముక్క అని నువ్వు లైట్ తీసుకుంటే చుక్కలు చూపిస్తుంది నీకు అది యూ థింక్ ఇట్స్ అ స్మాల్ డ్రాప్ ఆఫ్ వైన్ అండ్ అ స్మాల్ పీస్ ఆఫ్ బ్రెడ్ అండ్ యూ జస్ట్ కన్స్యూమ్ ఇట్ వితౌట్ ఎగ్జామినింగ్ యువర్ సెల్ఫ్ దాట్స్ ఇట్ ఇట్స్ గోటెన్స్ ఫర్ యూ for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on the, on themselves that is the reason why many of you are what weak and sick and many of you have fallen asleep so we need to ask ourselves do i judge myself look at what it says but if we are more discerning with regard to ourselves we have to be what i like the niv translation if we are more discerning regard to ourselves very vijay i know you you see actually you know yourself better than anybody else right you know why you do certain things <laughs> your wife also doesn't know <laughs> the person who's been there with you for so many years doesn't know okay. if we are more discerning with regard to ourselves we would not come under such judgment nevertheless when we are judged in this way by the lord we are being disciplined so that we may not be finally condemned with the world sometimes god just takes us out because we are not taking his word seriously we will be very careful that is the reason why first corinthians chapter 2 these things we also speak not in words verse 13 213 first corinthians chapter 2 verse 13 these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the holy spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual things but the natural man what do they do he does not receive the things of the spirit of god why because they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned so how do you have to discern yourself how much of my life is spiritual that is the reason why it says the word of god is living and what active sharper than the two edged sword dividing out to the soul and the spirit the joints and the marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the art and everything is laid naked before the one who's whom we have to give and what give an account so how much is of the spirit that is god conscious how much is of the soul that is self conscious how much is of the body that is world conscious who, who discerns the word of god who discerns the word of god discerns how much of of my life is consciousness towards god how much of my life is towards the self how much of my life is towards the world that is how we examine ourselves ruthlessly objectively and we ask god lord let me be absolutely ruthless in the coming years because 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 i know you're a god who does not only judges but you also also a god who rewards okay because rewards are incredible you have to ask god to show us that reward and the reward is himself mm, okay you don't miss out if you have missed out on earth you will not miss out in heaven okay if you think that you have missed out on earth you will not miss out in heaven you will not okay but he who is spiritual what does he do judges all things yet he himself is rightly judged by no one first corinthians then that is first thing so he, because he is also rewarded what do we do we also work diligently because he is impartial look at what it says in first corinthians chapter 15 for i am the least of all the apostles okay and do not even deserve to be called an apostle fair because i persecuted the church of god and in, in other words i don't deserve, deserve this mercy but look at what it says but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace towards me was not without effect no i what did i do i worked harder them all that is the reason why he says every no other foundation can be laid the foundation is what jesus christ there at the foot of the cross everybody is equal now from there onwards how do you build 
How do you lie? How do you live? How do you work? How do you work this Christian life? Are you lazy spiritually? Do you, do you give yourselves to the study of the word of God? Do you give yourselves to the fellowship of the fellowship of the saints? Do you give yourselves to the ministry of the word of God? Whatever ministry that God has entrusted you with in the church of God, do you diligently fulfill the ministry that God has given you in the church? Whatever that ministry is, to the best of your ability, or are you lazy? Is the question. Because a lazy man will receive nothing. Laziness has got no room in the kingdom of God. That is the reason why the person who are idle should learn not to be idle. It's very interesting. They should learn not to be idle. But what should they do? They should work with their own hands so that they'll have something to give. Something to give. Laziness cannot be rewarded in the kingdom of God. Okay, so what did he do? He worked harder. He worked harder. Okay, We worked hard for our exams, right? Sleepless nights. <laughs> How many sleepless nights? Night out and night out and night out and night out and night out. Hours and hours and hours before our job. Why? For an earthly reward. How much more for an eternal reward? He says, I worked harder. I worked harder. Yet not I, but by the grace of God which is in me. So if you do not have the, 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 the principles of working hard and you are not able to do it, what should you ask God, ask God for? Grace. And what does God do? Will he say, I will not give you grace? If you ask for the Holy Spirit, will he, will he not give you? No. Lord, I don't have the ability. I'm not able to work, God. I will give you the ability. Because he says, I was the one who gave you the ability to even earn what? Wealth. I was the one who will give you. If you ask. Okay. If any man lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask. Understand that? So, we work hard. And what do we do? In the same way, we are quick to judge ourselves and we are always... What do you say? Give the others the benefit of the doubt. Matthew chapter 7. Look at what it says. Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will also be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. People who judge, show judgment without mercy will also receive no mercy. James chapter 2. Remember? Why do you look at the speck of, speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I told you, no. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and all the time, there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The third implication. The third implication is this. Our attitude towards others. So the implication one is what? The attitude towards the cross. Second, our implication number two, our attitude towards ourselves. Third implication is our attitude towards others. This is equitable living. Attitude toward God, attitude towards ourselves, and attitude toward others. Matthew chapter, Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He that shows no mercy, O man. He has showed you, uh, sorry, he has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of thee. But to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. First thing, our attitude towards God, that is attitude towards cross. Second, our attitude towards ourselves in the way we judge ourselves. Third, implication, our attitude towards ourselves. This is equitable living. How do we, what is the yardstick we use when we are in uh, relating to others? Look at what it says in James chapter 2. <clears throat> James chapter 2 is what he talks about. This yardstick uh, 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 that we, he gives us one of the yardsticks as to how we, uh, be, uh, we, we how we are not uh, partial. My brothers, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 onwards. My brothers, <clears throat> do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings, 
fine apparel and there should also come in a poor man with filthy clothes. Okay? And you pay attention to the one wearing the clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with what thoughts? Evil thoughts or with evil intentions. What are you doing? You are showing what we call as partiality. Why? Because you are paying attention to the man who is having fine clothes. What is fine clothes? Outward, outward appearance. Outward appearance could be anything because he's got, because he's from your same language. Hmm? Since same caste. What is that? Caste. If I use those words, even Christians get upset. Cast. You know what? When a Christian and a, <laughs> and, and, and a, and a non-believer get married, you know what they call, what kind of a marriage they call it? What marriage? Not inter-religion marriage. What marriage? Inter-caste marriage. Inter-caste. Caste. Oh, that prejudice is there. You go to universities, you think it's not there? Oh, Vijay, you're Christian. Ah! <laughs> ah. Reservation. The, that used to... I boil. I mean, my blood used to boil when I used to hear those, that language, you know. No, 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 no. I came through merit. Why? Why? See, first of all, one thing we need to understand, we are not, we are, we, this, this, if you, uh, if you followed our Q&A sessions, uh, one of the things that Pastor was talking about caste, well, you can listen to that, it'll liberate you, okay, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, the most balanced teaching on how do we understand caste in the Indian context, okay, I'm not going there, okay, but the problem is, we have an incredible prejudice, Reddy Christian, Chaudhary Christian, oh, he's a Brahmin convert, what convert? What convert? What convert? What convert? Brahmin convert. We will never say he is an SC convert. We will not say that. Oh, you are SC, you should be converted. We will never say that. But when Brahmin convert, oh, Brahmin What difference does it make? At the foot of the cross, everybody is what? Same. There are so many brushed Brahmins who use the choicest of language. In fact, <laughs> I have seen Brahmins using the most beautiful language actually. Not I'm talking about not the positive, the negative. When I was in university. Okay. Understand this. See, what was that out, outward appearance? Education, a big thing in India. Achievements, software company that you work in. What are you? Microsoft. <laughs> that is that has become your identity now. <laughs> if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. What has passed away? Microsoft, Google. What is that? What else has passed away? Every other uh, doctor, actor, everything has passed away. The problem is, in many, many places, you will see this, this is there. This is there. This class difference is there. And he says, you have become judges with what thoughts? With evil intentions. When you, 
when you show favoritism to somebody just because he's got some kind of a, uh, what is called, embellishment. Everybody's equal. You know, God shows no partiality. He doesn't even show partiality to Moses. Moses, he speaks, how, to, how does God speak to him? Face to face. Because I speak to face to face, face, you will not enter into the promised land. Hey, kya hua bhai? Because I'm impartial, simple. <laughs> oh, I can, I have, I'm in the good books of God. I'll, he'll overlook whatever I do. No? The second, that is the fourth yardstick of God's judgment. You know what it is? He will judge you according to the knowledge that you have. That is dangerous. That is the reason why says not many of you should become teachers. Because you will have the greater judgment, severe judgment. That's the fourth yardstick. We'll not go there today. Understand this. You stand here, sit there. In other words, you move him from left to right. There's a condescending attitude. There's there in everybody. The way we treat people from orphanage and the way we treat people from our own from our own homes. And we have to bring it home. And we have to learn. Hmm? You become judges. What we will not do with our children, we will ask them to do with our other people. That's the problem. What has happened? We have become inequitable people, my dear brothers and sisters. Understand that? And you know what it says? Pure and undefiled religion is what? Is this? Whom, for whom should we visit? To visit the orphans and the widows, to keep yourself unspotted in the world. That is pure and uh, undefiled religion. Otherwise your religion is good for nothing, useless. You know the word for good for nothing in English is very bad. You see, equitable living. Equitable living. Nobody is, should be our servant. We have to be a people who will serve others. Okay. That is what we call as people with, you know, in Telugu there is a word, Atma Abhimano. It's self-respect, meaning what we should give dignity to others. I like that song. We are one in the spirit. Okay. What we will do? We will guard each other's the word. The word they use is we'll guard each other's pride, which is okay. I'm not, I'm not talking about pride in terms of we guard each other's dignity because we have been made in the image of God. And everybody is equal. Right? <clears throat> have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? All the others will keep working. What will you sit? You'll sit like one Maharaja. Alright, see, the moment you know that you, you have received the gospel, all this thing goes out of the window. Look at one man who applied this fantastically. Who's that man? The Apostle Paul. And I went up by revelation and communicated. This is Galatians chapter 2, verse 2 onwards. And I went up by revelation. This is when he went to the, the book of Galatians can be, uh, can be, uh, can be titled as the tale of two visits. <laughs> what is that? A tale of two visits, not a tale of two cities. Yeah, actually, a tale of two cities. One is Antioch and the other is Jerusalem. When Paul visited Jerusalem, what happened? When Peter visited Antioch, what happened? Okay. And I went up by revelation and communicated, communicated to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. You see, he's a very humble man. Look, look, at, look at what he's saying. Yet, not even Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. 
And this occurred because false brethren secretly brought in who came, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Look at what it happens. But for those who seem to be something, look at what he says. Whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. Why? Why? Because God shows no personal favoritism to anybody. To anybody. For these who seem to be something added nothing to me. You see, they get so angry with Paul. You know why? I know I taught, I, I went and preached my gospel there. This is what I'm, I showed them. This is my doctrine. This is what my doctrine. This is my doctrine. This is my doctrine. This is my doctrine. This is my doctrine. I discussed my doctrine with them. You know what happened? When they saw my doctrine, they said, you're absolutely complete. We don't have to add anything to you. You're thorough. They added nothing. But, so when we went to Jerusalem, when somebody came and tried to act smart, not even a single minute we asked them, we'd give them any attention. Because God is not a respecter of, God shows no personal favoritism. Look at what it says. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, what did I do? I withstood to him, him to his face. Because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who are of circumcision. And the rest of the Jews, what did they do? They played the hypocrite with them so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And you know what I said? But when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew, what are you living like? You're living like the Gentiles. What are you? Why are you compelling the Jews to live? Sorry, the Gentiles to live like Jews. Understand why? Proverbs chapter eleven verse one: False balance is an abomination to the Lord. Everybody says that word abomination, abomination. And the just weight is is delight. Sixteen eleven: A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are His work. His work. God shows no personal favoritism to anybody. He doesn't play favorites. So in your attitude toward others, this is how you have to be. You treat everybody equally in that sense. You give them everybody opportunity. In that, in as far as you're concerned, you're ruthless when you judge us, you judge yourselves. But when you're dealing with others, you're, you're always equitable in that you always give them the benefit of the doubt and you treat them fairly. Look at one passage, seven verses, and we will stop for the day. Exodus chapter 23. Look at what it says. You must not, this is Exodus chapter 23. This is equitable living. This is equitable living. You must not pass uh, along false rumors. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. And why do you lie on the witness stand? Witness stand? Why is it, what is happening even, to, even in, uh, in today's date? Why, why do they lie on the witness stand? Because they are impartial. Because they are partial. Either towards one race or contrary to the other race. They're impart, they're, they're absolutely partial. Look what it says. Verse 2. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Just because the majority is saying this is the, this is the thing, you don't follow the crowd. Majority opinion is not always right. They may be right sometimes, but it is most of the times not always right. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. 
Look at next verse. I like this. And do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is. Ah! Oh, yo, 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 yo. This person is from a poor background. No, we should be kind to him. After all, all this, all these times he was being treated unfairly. No. It doesn't matter what you are. You are poor or rich. It doesn't matter who you are. You should be treated equitably. No personal favoritism to anybody. Okay. Goes on to say, if you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, what should you do? Take it back. <laughs> this is the equitable living. Take it back to him. If you see that the, the, the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under your, under its load. Do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. This is equitable living. What should you do? You should be fair with even your enemies. That. In the same context. Hmm? This is the law. Verse 6. In a lawsuit, you must not deny the justice to the poor. Be sure never to charge anyone falsely with evil. Never sentence an innocent or a blameless person to death, for I have never declared a guilty person to be innocent. In other words, if you do not know the entire fact, shut your mouth. Don't just, just give your opinion. You know, I have seen so many things, no? Opinions, 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 keep on blah, 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 blabbering. This is equitable living. Maybe we should just do one study on this once. <clears throat> this is equitable living. How to treat the other person fairly. In as far as you are concerned, you are ruthless. You are objective in judging yourself. In examining yourself. But on the other person, you are always given the benefit of the doubt. Even to your enemies. Even if his ox is falling. What do you say? Nice happened, Ray. You did this to me, no? That is our... And what, what will God, God say? When you fall down? Nice happened, Ray. That's exactly what happened to that fellow. 12,000, uh, 10,000 talents he owed to his master and he was forgiven freely. And what did he do to his, uh, do, do to his, to his servant? What was he doing? He was not being equitable. Just as the father forgave him, he did not forgive him. And therefore, you know what Jesus says? If you do not forgive your brother's trespasses from your heart, your heavenly father will also not forgive you. Why? That is equitable living. Equitable living. Hmm. Take no bribes. For a bribe makes you ignore something that you clearly see. Bah, like that. <laughs> like that, like that, like that, like that. That is the reason why I give offerings. How? Huh, in secret. In secret. Nobody should know. You should cultivate that habit. Oh, today Vijay gave me an offering. No, if I tell this to him, because after all a good fellow, maybe, no, it should never happen that way. You should build that kind of a trust in the body of Christ where you are open to rebuke and correction and criticism. Mm-hmm. A bribe makes even a righteous person do what? Twist the truth. And next, verse 9. You must not oppress. Read everybody. Foreigners. You know what it's like to be a foreigner. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Meaning the stranger among you. The people who are who have no rights, nothing. You know what you should do? You should treat them fairly and with love and with kindness and give them the benefit of the doubt. 
you know uh, one of the things that you see in the passport you now if you see the passport in the last paper it will be written something you no know, uh, if uh, which, whichever country this person is coming to please treat him fairly that's it's a it's a it's a, a decree from the government of india the government of india stamp. i i i'm sure if you you must have seen it in your passport you no know, if you have the passport please treat him uh, treat him fairly that's what it says any stranger any stranger meaning what whoever that person is who comes for the first time in the church or who's come from a different land or who's not from our own community treat him how stranger you know how do you treat treat strangers even on the day of sabbath your stranger should not work what do you do give him an off but what do we do in india for you you have to go to church you have to come on sunday also no break for you this is equitable living now we can go on and on but we can stop here so there are three things the implication first implication one our attitude towards god in that there is only one way to to god what is that the way of the cross second our attitude towards ourselves that god is a judge and god also rewards so how do we judge ourselves objectively we are absolutely objective with ourselves because god is dealing with us as sons because he knows us all among all the people in the world he own he knows us only therefore what does he do he will visit us for our inequities and then because we have received so much of the grace of god what do we do we work harder because we understand that god is a god who also rewards fairly fairly i'm telling you honestly a person who is a hard working spiritually who has brought many people to the lord who has walked in righteousness you know what it says those who um uh, who have uh, turned many people into the way, way of righteousness how do how do they shine like they will shine like stars in eternity and as stars will differ in glory so will also the saints because everyone will be judged according to his works fairly after you have received the grace of god how are you going to work work hard whatever opportunity that god has given you do it to the best of your ability because god is a god who judges and the god is a god who rewards and the third thing third implication of being god the fact that god is impartial is that how do you deal with others there is an equitable way of treating others how do you treat them fairly with mercy and with justice always giving them the benefit of the doubt three aspects of the third yardstick that what what is god god is a god who is impartial who accepts no man's person who accepts no man's face and when we see his face what do we do we will fall flat on our face that's exactly what's going to happen mukamil vartham antamana okay understand this so three implications of the fact that god is a god who is impartial okay let's pray we can look at so many other aspects about equitable equitable living but we'll stop here today father we just want to thank you father for this morning we want to sing with with moses lord ascribe greatness to a god our rock his way is perfect and all his ways are justice and truth a god of peace without injustice there is no iniquity in you o lord you're always equitable we are people who have become iniquitous when we swallowed the lie of the enemy and the god laid upon him the iniquity of us all the iniquity of us all was taken upon your son literally lord mercy and truth met on the cross 
Righteousness and peace have met each other. On the cross. Thank you Lord. Thank you. That you took our iniquity. That you took our transgression. So that Lord we can. We no longer live an iniquitous life. But a life of equity. And therefore I pray Lord Jesus. That you will teach us your ways. Show us your paths. That you grant us the grace not to trust in our obedience, not to trust in our righteousness, not to put our trust in anything in and of ourselves. But Lord, let us trust only on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We must be born again. Doesn't matter, O Lord Jesus, from where we come from. Our background doesn't matter. God is impartial. And therefore, all have only one way. The way of the cross. I pray Lord Jesus that we will be absolutely objective in the way we examine ourselves and judge ourselves. Lord, we will be equitable in our behavior toward others. To that end, I pray that you would bless us, O Lord. Keep us in the straight and narrow path. Keep us in the straight and narrow path. Enable us not to stray to the left or to the right. Enable us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that God is a God who is our Father, who will judge us impartially according to our works. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.